everyone, and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll. Today we are privileged to be joined by Reb Eli Stefanski of Eretz Yisrael. Thank you, Reb Eli, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Famed Dafyemi Magachir, among many other accomplishments. So I'd like to get right into it. Your Dafyemi Jir, which is now world-renowned, recently ran some kind of promotion of some sort, giving out Art Scroll Gemaras to get people to join your shir. And since we're in art scroll territory here, we'll start off with that. What exactly did your shir do? And what could you tell us about how your offer of giving people free gemaras for them to join your shir compelled people or propelled people or influenced them to join your shir? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for the tour, an amazing facility. Beautiful. Um, there were a bunch of guys from the shir that wanted to do something to give back and uh, bring more people into learning. They came with, they came with the idea to um, give them an incentive, give them a Gemara. And uh, it was basically a guy by the name of Yossi Klein from Muncie, Nassanel Gans helped him out a lot, and uh, a bunch of other guys they got together and um, started promoting this idea give a free Gemara, come join the Shir, you'll enjoy it, free Gemara, and, and that's how uh, it took off, and Baruch Hashem, I believe we gave out close to 1,800 Gemaras, wow. we gave out over a thousand art scrolls, and then different other Gemaras as well, but tremendous, it was a tremendous uh, push, and uh, we're getting tremendous feedback. And these are people who committed to join the so You have to commit. You have to watch two, three shiurim. I don't know exactly the amount, but you watch the shir, and if you don't like it, you move on. You like it, you continue. And Baruch Hashem, we're, you know, 30 days after that uh, promotion, most of these people are still on. So it's amazing. We're seeing a tremendous jump in numbers. But it's unbelievable. Your shir has experienced, I would say, since really since the Siamashas, an unbelievable growth. Uh, both in the people who are watching you now live and those who listen to your recordings. I don't know if you remember, I didn't speak with, to you about this before we did the, you know, started the interview. Yeah. I spoke to you a couple of years ago before you were so I famous. Remember. Do you yeah. remember? Okay. I reached out to you before the CMHS. I was putting out the magazine for the CMHS. Doug yes, asked yes, me to do yes. it. And I reached out to you at the time because I came across your eight-minute Chazara. That was you. That was me. Oh, okay. And we didn't I even remember. make that connection. You remember? Yeah. And we had an article, and anyway, we, we yeah. so at the time, you weren't as famous as you are now. I guess a lot of promotion and advertising helped, and also the tremendous increased interest in Dafyemi in general has right. brought many more viewers and listeners to Major Magi Deshir, including yourself. Um, and it's amazing to, for me to watch, I remember when I first contacted you a couple of years ago, till now, how much... Uh, you, your popularity has grown and it's a big schuss for you to be able to be Marbet's Torah on a daily basis to so many people and uh, we'll get into certain signature characteristics of your shear and things that you do to really pique people's interests and keep them engaged um, but before we do that I'm sure so I want to jump yeah. in here because yeah, you sure. mentioned there's a, so the name of that publication is Asium. so yeah. I want to tell you a beautiful thing um, so we were discussing, I, I didn't realize it was you, and I was all excited, I remember I was on, in a safari, I was in the middle of the jungle, and you called me, and I, I think I was there, pretty sure, 
And uh, I was like, wow, I'm going to get a free advertisement in this Hasim, and it goes out to the 100,000 people in MetLife. We printed 150,000 copies. 150,000 copies. <clears throat> Unbelievable. How could, can't get any better. So I was all pumped. Wow, the 8-minute daf is going to take off and everything. And then the, the public, you, you, I spoke to you, and you said the publication is way too big, and you had to take out all these things. I called my father and I said, okay, listen, I understand if I have a monetary loss, because Baruch Hu has a cheshben and everything, but how do you explain a Torah loss? Over here, I could have gone from, I had 1,000 uh, viewers on the 8-minute daf, and I could take it to 10,000. How, how, how do I deal with that? And my father told me, he said, whatever that number is supposed to be, that's the number you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make a difference. And so, because I wasn't in the publication, I said, we have to do something else. And it turned out to be a big bracha. Mm. The numbers... They grew, it was, it was unbelievable. So, I mean, it just it goes to show that you think it comes from here, but it comes from another place. Because Baruch has his plans. It, it, it is true that we cut out a lot of material because the magazine Now was, you have charata, don't you? I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but apparently you forgave me because you came anyway for the interview. So, but it's, no, it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's nice to see the growth and what you've done. You next time, you're going to get me next time? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, okay, if I have the schuss to do okay, it. great. No question about yeah. it. Um, and it is true that you, despite the fact that it didn't make the cut you went ahead and you in, did all these creative types of things to try to draw people yeah. in. Um, you mentioned your father. Take us back to your youth. Where did you grow up? We know that you live in Ramat Pechemesh now in Eretz Israel. You weren't born in Eretz Israel, were you? I was no. born in Lakewood. Okay. And... Uh, there's not enough time in the interview, but basically we lived in Long Beach in Farakway. I did, a, I did a, the Darche Torah thing. My father's a Rebbe in Sharyashov. Um, Borough Park, Flatbush, Kensington, Eretz Yisrael, a few trips to Eretz Yisrael back and forth. I learned in uh, Yeshiva Ketan in Eretz Yisrael, which is a high school in Eretz Yisrael. Then we made our way back to America. So when you say you, you, you learned in Yeshiva Ketan, that's Masifta in Eretz Yisrael. Right. Now, I was told, tell me if I'm correct, that you learned by Remichel Yudalefkowitz. Is that true? Absolutely. One of the G'dayli Adar. Right. What grade, what equivalent grade would that, that have been? Uh, that's 11th grade. He was the Shir Gimel of uh, Yeshiv Ketanim Panovich. And that Panovich Yeshiva Latzirim, right? Latzirim Mitsuyanim. Oh, Mitsuyanim. <laughs> they put that word. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Rabbi Leich Steyman was the parallel Shir. So they gave the two Shirim. I was lucky to have Remichel Yuda. He was... Did you realize at the time that your Rebbe was one of the G'day Le'adar? No, no. Rebbe Aaron Leibstein was considered from the G'daylam then. Remichel Yudha Lefkowitz was considered the best Magachir. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was older and everything, but he wasn't... I mean, he was a G'daylam picture, sort of, but people didn't go to ask brachas, that sort of thing. But he was a phenomenal Magachir. It was unbelievable to learn by him. Would you say that Remichel Yudha formed your Der Halimut in any way, or was mm, that, that that happened not elsewhere? Really. I was, I was younger. I was younger than everybody else. He picked on me a lot. Mil Shir, you go, Nu Elio Stefanski, You know, I was younger and not as good as the rest of the guys in the Shir. But uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Even though you were an American kid in an Israeli yeshiva, right. you were able to acclimate well? I was, yeah, I picked up Hebrew pretty quickly. And uh, yeah. And it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, and I wasn't <clears throat> from the better guys in the Shir, but... Mm-hmm. And what happened then either. for Beis Medrash? What happened the next I stage? learned in Passaic for two years by Mayor Stern. 
and then from there I did something crazy. I went, which is not acceptable really, but was great for me. I went from Paseig to Chaim Berlin. And then the mirror in Eretz Yisrael. So. And at that point, would you say that you had a, a tremendous kishmak in learning? Did you see yourself as a magachir? What did you view yourself at that point? So my the, father, know, the, my father is a is a big masmid. He learns all day and night. Um, he wears towels and tefillin. You know, he's a serious. He's from from the from a very young age, what two three years old. Whenever I remember, he's always with the gemara, learning all day long. So I obviously I wanted to, I looked up to my father and I wanted to learn, but I um, I have a different personality than him. I'm a little, bit, a little bit wilder and you know the ADD or whatever it is. And it wasn't. I tried. I tried to you know I learned in Kailo for six years. It just wasn't wasn't where, going. Where was that? Where did you learn in Kailo? I learned in Chaim Berlin. I learned in Eretz Yisrael for three years in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never lasted. You know, I tried and I pushed myself and I, I wanted to do this, but I didn't find my niche. You know, it wasn't at any given opportunity. If there was a ski trip or something, I'll just I'll book out of there and run, uh-huh. go skiing. So then I realized, hey, maybe this is not for me. So my father wasn't very happy, but left Kylo and uh, went to work. Doing what? So in the beginning, I was doing catering. Dabbling in real estate a little bit. Uh, Where were you living at this at this moment in time? Moved to Chicago. Okay. Moved to Chicago and uh, started opened up a, a catering business and uh, was doing renovations. I learned how to be an electrician, plumber. You know, I was doing physical labor. The, the idea was to eventually go into real estate and know the business from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. So, Can I ask you a personal question? At that, sure, at that point in your life, were you were you committed to any serious Tyra learning on a on a regular basis? Um, yes. At that point, I was giving a shear. I actually did the Afiyami cycle as a magid shear. So I did eight years, but the shear I don't want to tell anybody. But the shear only had about five to six people for eight years. It was very stagnant. By the way, most Afiyami shearim amal <laughs> used to be like that. It's only a recent phenomenon that people have hundreds, thousands, watch it, viewers, listeners. Right, right. It's a little show basement, Dadas, and uh, my brother-in-law's father uh, came over to me one day and just said, hey, Rani Shabbat, you want to give us a shear? And I was like, shear, okay, fine, you know. Prepared an hour or two, wasn't, you know, didn't take up the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was, but I, I really was hoping for more and learning was always in the back of my mind, but. Okay, it didn't work out. Maybe one day. So this is how many years ago are we talking now? That you're giving the shear, you're you're running a catering business. This was uh, at least fifteen years ago. About fifteen years yeah. ago. Okay. And what was the next step in your journey? So then um, I grew a successful real estate company, bought a lot of real estate and managed it, and you know that sort of thing. Had a lot of employees, built a lot of homes. You, how did you go from being a caterer to owning a lot of real estate? I imagine uh, there's a, tra- go into that, there's a there's, transition there. Well, so I, I was flipping a lot of homes. I, I was good at renovations. So I was renovating, mm-hmm. buying uh, dilapidated homes and renovating them, flipping them. And um, it's a long story. I don't know if you want to go into it, but uh, a guy came over to me during one of the weddings. I was running a wedding. And he said, I have 
of 2,000 units in Indianapolis. Are you interested? And uh, I said, how much? He said, $65 million or something. And I was like, are you crazy? You know, like, I'm doing a couple, you know, $65 million. I'll see you later. And, you know, I just kept on asking people how their chicken is. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, that night I went home and I was like, I, I rehashed that conversation. And uh, I started talking to myself and like, why not? What's, what, why can't you do 2,000 apartments? You know, you could do 100, you could do 200. And I started going through this whole thing, this um, basically thinking out of the box of how I could do 2,000 apartments. And the idea was to, if I could do 100, it might be difficult, but I could do it. I could borrow money and get a loan and da da um, Why don't I just treat the 2,000 as 100? You know, just pieces. Another 100, another mm -hmm. 100. And um, I started working on that. I called up the guy, said, I'm interested. Drove down there with my minivan. The guy looked at him and says, a guy in a minivan? He's going to buy this property? He says, no, he has other cars. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? And uh, we, um, so basically I went around to people. And Shul said, you're interested in 100 units in Indianapolis? Sure. What's your experience? I don't really have, but I'm the, you know? And I started selling it off. And I had to quit my catering job. I took a big risk quit, worked it, worked it for three months, and Baruch Hashem, it worked out. So you move into real estate, yeah, and you ended up in Eretz Yisrael at some point. Well, how did that happen? Okay, so we had, we built a very nice home in Chicago, 12,000 square feet, and had the elevator, and had, you know, I don't remember, it was like 12 bathrooms maybe, crazy stuff. My wife is an interior designer. Um, she designed every bathroom with different granite and da, da, da And my guys from my company, they built the house. It was incredible house. 12-foot ceilings, the whole thing. We moved in and I started thinking about it. It's like, what are you doing? You have this big giant house. You have all these fancy cars. Successful business. But we're, what do you have to show for up there? How's your bank account doing up there? It's pretty weak. And, you know, rehashing this and like, like a midlife crisis kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Pushing 40 and um, I have nothing to show for it. If I die today, so I have all the stuff, I'm not going to benefit from it. So I need to start investing in my bank account up there. Spoke to my wife. My wife said, uh, I said something about Israel. She said Israel. I don't, I don't remember. And I said, okay, let me check it out. And I came downstairs like an hour or so later. I said, I bought tickets. I'm going to Israel. She said, what? Yeah, I'm going to Israel. I got to check it out. Okay, see you later. Came back a few days later. I said, uh, I was in Ramah B'Chemesh. And uh, I like it. It's cool. I saw some Chassasman throwing a ball with his son. The guy's at the beard, the tits is hanging out, but he's playing ball with his kid. It's like well-rounded people. It's a great place. Only to find out later, Simcha told me, he's never played with his son before and never after. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so a couple of weeks after that, we were on a plane, we moved to Israel. Left everything behind. We came with 12 suitcases to Israel. Most of our stuff is still in Chicago now. Really? Yeah, 
Let me and know that I'm we just are. curious. You felt that whatever Ruchni's growth you were seeking, you couldn't happen to that in Chicago? You had to move to Yisrael for that? You know, Chicago is a great place, but I felt that I was in some sort of race almost, like mm. building another house, building, and my, this friend is building a house, and this friend is driving that car. It's just all when it comes to these things. Everybody lives in an apartment building. Not everybody, but 95%, you know. We live in an apartment building today on the fourth floor in an apartment that can fit into one bedroom in our house that we had in Chicago. And that's how people live. Nobody's showing off, oh, my apartment is better than your apartment. It's just nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about Nachman Seltzer. Nachman Seltzer came over to me when I first moved there and he says, you know, Ellie, I got to tell you, this Camry that you bought, and it was a 10-year-old Camry, he says, it doesn't pass here in this neighborhood. It's too fancy. What are you doing? Really? You're serious. I was shocked. I said, what? I left my Lexus. I had the, the newest and the top model. I left in Eretz I could have brought it here for $2,000. And you're making fun of me driving a Camry that every old guy in America drives? He says, it's not the way to do it here. So I said, okay, fine. So I went and I bought my Lexus in <laughs> You're going to make fun of my Camry. You might as well drive a nicer car. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, but he's right. In, in the neighborhood, people are not driving you know, nice cars. It's just not a thing. Corolla, this, old. So the focus is a little different over there. I'm not saying it's perfect and every place has its rightness, but in terms of learning, like the way the sheer grew, so these guys from the neighborhood that came over to me, like I was doing this synopsis, eight minute, uh, was really, I was doing all seven daf. In, you know, in 45 minutes on a Thursday night, and the guy said, hey, why don't you start a shir? So I said, okay. But who shows up to shir? Tamid Chachamim, guys that knew how to learn, good learners. Sat around. The first day we had seven guys, more than I had in Chicago. And then the second mm-hmm. day was ten, and it grew very quickly. You know, people are thirsty for learning. And this was how long after you moved to Eretz Yisrael? Hmm. Probably three, four years. Mm-hmm. Now, just before we move on, yeah. the, I'm intrigued to... To learn, how did your wife deal with the move, the adjustment, culture, the cultural differences, and so on, and your children? How did it impact That's them? a very good question. Um, she's not adjusted yet. In her mind, we just had to buy a house in Chicago to pacify that, you know. She, want, she wants to feel like she has something in America. Mm-hmm. We never made Aliyah yet. We're there for eight years. And she thinks she's coming back one day. You know, and we might. But right now we take it one, one day at a time, and it's very, very difficult. Her whole family's in Chicago. She has one brother, Roshiva, Nesiva Saharan, Moshe Freeman in Yerushalayim, so she has one brother. She has cousins, but, you know, her parents, excuse me, her parents are, are, in, Israel, are in Chicago. Her sister, sister-in-law, her brother, you know, so they're mainly over there. Mm, so it's an adjustment. And your, yeah. and your children, Chinuch uh, and, and those it's, types of things. Yeah, some did better than others. They picked up the language. And um, the ones that we thought would have the hardest time, they have the best time. They still, they all miss America. They, mm-hmm. you know. You come, you come back from I come time back, to time. We come back every summer for a few weeks and every Pesach we're back. Mm-hmm. Besides during COVID, but yeah. So you're there, you, you start a year. Yeah. And at that point, it's bigger than what it was in America, but it wasn't what it is today. No. So what, what happened in the interim? What happened was that I, I decided to, to start, if we're going to start a share, I might as well use some of my business experience with the share. So I came up with, you know, different ideas. 
And I have to say that one of the biggest nisim is that the guys in the shir, till this very day, so many of them are such a big part of it. The, the original guys, they all have full-time jobs, but they, they give over hours every single day. So it's a, really, it's a, it's a team effort. And they all bought into it from day one. They saw the potential and they saw... So I would come with charts, I would come with pictures, try to make it interesting, good coffee. I figured, you know, the guys need to have a coffee. They have, so we went and bought a nice coffee machine. Anything to make learning more fun, more exciting. And you were giving the shear the same time every day? Every day. Until this day we do the same time. 7.15 in the morning. 7.15 in the morning. Yeah. And you were giving a full-length shear. Right. Plus your eight-minute chazara? Plus the eight-minute chazara. And the eight-minute chazara you were doing privately, recording, and then releasing that. Correct. Right. And editing. I would edit the eight-minute. And I would do it in Hebrew also. And we should mention a lot of the posters and pictures that you use, which you became famous for, are diagrams and charts that you yourself made. I know you didn't bring any of the paraphernalia with you today, but right. anyone who has ever seen your shear has seen how you really... I'm not very artistic, but I try. You know, mm-hmm. I, I use Word document and I put some lines together, you know, whatever. Anything to make, or if there's so, uh, a funny picture I find on Google that has to do with the daf, or, you know, anything interesting that will wake the guys up in middle shear. Someone will say, whoa, why did you bring that picture? Oh, interesting. You know, giggle a little bit and we, we go right there. Good morning, Rabboisai. Today's shear is sponsored by Gedalia Pollock in honor of our. I got to show you what they ate in those days. It's Gewaldika, Gewaldika, unbelievable stuff. I don't want to ever forget this Kutach. It's big stuff. It's very, very Choshev stuff. And we talk about it a lot in Shas. We're only going to do this once. I kept milk for over six months to get it to the right consistency. This is sour, should be sour. I also have a piece, I have a piece of bread. That's mamish mold, should be mold. Unbelievable mold. And now we're going to take... It's no volume. We're going to do this. Yeah. It's no volume. The smell. It's no volume. Let me, let me. Rashi brings here the, in Avais it says that the, the skull was floating. So it's a little bit. Not too much. At what point did you feel that the shear took the leap to the next level where it's, wow, this is, this is something bigger than I ever envisioned? We prepared a lot for brachas. We knew that at the beginning of Shas, a lot of guys are going to come on. And we wanted to be ready for that. So a year before, we already started going into preparations for brachas da base. One of the things we did is we built a building just for the dafyaimi. It's called Merkaz dafyaimi. It's a large room with TV screens and, and good coffee and different machines and stuff. It's like a man cave for Tyra. So, but it has regular minyanim all it, the time, or is it just for the shear? It's all based around the shear. Minyan shachers before the shear, minyan shachers after the shear. 
and eventually we have a Kailal, MDY Kailal, which is going to move in there. We, we can't use it right now, we gave it to Yeshiva, but as soon as they move out, we're moving in. There's a Shir at night, you know, it's all about Dafyaymi. We have the art scroll, Shasim, right in the front, because we didn't have room for bookcases. The bookcases are next to the Aron Kaidish. So you have Aron Kaidish, art scroll Shas on this side, art scroll Shas on that side, all the art scrolls farm. Now, uh, you moved to Eretz Yisrael, you're basically giving a shear. What happened to your real estate business? What happened to Parnassa? I'm sure uh, people are curious to know what's the secret to, right. to doing that. Well, I, I used to fly into America every, every month for three, four days at a time. And as I got more involved in the DAF, it became less frequent. It was every two months, then every three months. And Baruch Hashem, I have a great partner, Bensi Friedman, not my brother-in-law, but he's a guy from Chicago with the same name. And he does a phenomenal job. And it's, I've, I've been talking in Hashem. I really believe that the less I mix into my business, the better off the business is. But it, it, it took time to build up. I would, you know, it was an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day I was learning, four. Built it up until the point where there's hardly any time for the business. I'm on top of it somewhat. You know, I speak to him. I try to speak to him once a day mm-hmm. for a few minutes just to see what's going on. But he, he, he runs the business. Now, I'm going to play the role of cynic for a second. Uh, sure. during, during many of your shirim that I've heard, you're... You actually watch? Watch, listen. Really? Yes. I listen, on a daily basis, I listen to Reb Surly Bornstein here. I'm a member of the Achabura, but... I love, I love him. He's a great guy. Reb Surly's phenomenal, but uh, you got to learn the daf several times. So we get a taste of MDY. Is he going to be here also? We'll see. Maybe if he sees <laughs> you're here. Reb Surly knows he's invited, so... But Baruch yeah. each shear, like Reb Surly's yours, and so many others, each have their own flavor and are accomplishing the ultimate goal of getting people to learn more. That's Absolutely. at the end of the day, which actually is a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you. You, on your sheer, unabashedly, almost plead with people to learn more. You tell people to learn more. You encourage them in a, in a phenomenally positive way. But the cynic will say, Rebelli, it's very nice for you to say that. You know, you have a successful business. Baruch Shem Parnassa is there. It's very easy for you to tell people, spend more time on learning and less time on business. Meanwhile, many of the people watching you and listening to you are thinking to themselves, are, are you serious? I'm barely making ends meet. I'm trying my hardest, and uh, I just don't have more time in my day. So what would you say to that cynic who says, Rebelli, who are you to preach to us to learn more? In your matzah, it comes uh, easier. It's a great question. So let me ask you. During COVID, we were all locked in our homes. People weren't going to work. What were they doing? They were sitting at home. What were they doing? They were learning. They don't have where to go. On vacation. Ben Ismanim. What are they doing? They're not busy with Pranasa, but they're not learning. Why not? Here's the situation. You're like Eli Stefanski, so to speak. He, he doesn't have to earn a living. So why are you learning? But the point is, really, you don't have to learn all day. There, everybody has those 45 minutes in the day that they could, they could sacrifice, so to speak. They could dedicate it to Tyra. Why not? Another 45 minutes. You don't have 45 minutes. 
Anybody that's that busy with Parnassah, that doesn't have 45 minutes, there's something wrong. That means they don't, they don't really believe. If you think you have to work 15, 16 hours a day, then you don't have it right. You have to work. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. You have to earn a Parnassah. But there must be a time of the day. It's better if you do it before you go to work. If you can't, do it after. But there has to be 45 minutes. But yeah, people tell me that. Oh, big. So that same guy that tells it to me, I'm looking at him. I said, you, didn't, you, didn't, you weren't at work for a year. You didn't go to work. You're taking a check from, from the government. So did you sit down and open up a Gemara once during that whole year during COVID? So it's easy to... It reminds me of a Maisa, you know, the Chavetz Chaim, a guy came to, I think it was the Chavetz Chaim, somebody came to the Chavetz Chaim and said, I'm a water carrier. It's not fair, these guys are in Kail. They earn as much as I do. He's saying you learn. So the Chavetz Chaim says, what do you know? What, what could you do? What could you learn? No. So what could you, I could read. He says, okay, here, take it to Hillam and read. So he went to this Medrash and he started reading and reading and after an hour he got sick and tired of it. He said, I'm done. I want to do my water carrying. But listen, the point is not the whole day. Another half hour, another 40 minutes, another mm -hmm. hour, hour and a half. Take it slowly. There's always time in the day. Always. You could always instead of watching those YouTube videos, whatever it is, or these interviews, learn Taira. 100%. Now, as far as your preparation, how long does it take you to prepare for an average year? All day. Really? So it's constantly on your mind. The next constantly. day's daf, constantly. constantly. I get up somewhere in the three area, because I give it a shear at 7.15, so before four o'clock I'm up, and I go to sleep at one. All day I'm doing the daf. But I sleep in the afternoon, I take a quick nap. Uh -huh. And that carries you through that? Yeah. And chasana's commitments, other events, do you just cut those out of your life because um, you're committed to the daf? Uh, yeah, a lot of it is unfortunately not there. I don't vacation anymore like I'm supposed to restaurants with the wife you know a lot there's the sacrifice because there are a lot of people uh, relying on it and it takes me I'm not that good so it takes me a lot of hours to prepare when you say you're not that good well, what do you mean that besides for being I don't humble. have no I don't I'm who I am and I'm not I'm not the biggest Balkishman in the world I'm not the biggest learner in the world I'm a balabas at the end of the day I'm a balabas I'm a real estate guy. I just decided I want to do this. So for a real estate guy, without a lot of background, and you know, I wasn't the best guy in yeshiva, I wasn't mm -hmm. the top learner, that sort of thing. So it takes a lot of time and preparation. So in, in preparing, you open up the Gemara, you've, you've done the Daf Yomi cycle in the past. Do you, you have recollections? Do you feel like you're preparing from scratch? Take us through that process, three o'clock in the morning. You're, <laughs> what, what's the... Uh, well, What's 3 o'clock in the morning is already Chazar. Oh, that's Chazar. So, yeah, uh, no, by 3 o'clock I'm basically prepared. It's the, f the final steps. Um, my memory is terrible. That's what, I believe it's bad. Mm -hmm. So most of the time when I open up the daf, it's brand new. Brand new. I mean, there's a lot of sugis and a lot of ideas that we have uh, through the, you know, through shas that come up over and over. So I'm familiar with those. But just the daf, the way it is, now, you know, so, I, I learn it by myself. I have a phenomenal chavrusa, Rabbi Didi Kramer, who knows Kalatari Kula, is a tremendous Balkishran. Mm -hmm. I go over it with him afterwards for about an hour. 
and then I'm on my own for the rest of the day. Does Otsko play any role in the preparation? It actually does. Hebrew, yes. English, both? English. I have the I have a few art school shasim. I own two. I should say a couple. I have two shasim. And uh, I use the art school every day. Every day. Um, first of all, I need some translations in the words, you know, just because the shir is in English. And my, you know, because I grew up in their stroll for a bunch of years, the good years, my English is not the best. So I go to the art school. I love looking through the notes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just saying it because I'm here in art school. I, I know it's a busha, art school, magichir looks nice. I look in the art school. I'm sure the many of the participants also do, and many. many. And you know, many uh, actually come with the iPad. They're looking at the, the digital, uh, you know, the digital, the digital art digital school. Yeah. I was just speaking to Rabbi Cheskel Danziger, who works here. He's the editorial yeah. director of the Shanstein Talmud, and he mentioned to me that the Fiyomi and art school, the art school Gemara, the Shanstein Talmud, have a symbiotic relationship. The Dafyomi benefits from Schattenstein Gemara, and the Schattenstein Gemara de- benefits from Dafyomi. It goes both ways. And both of them have grown kind of together. It's really a, an incredible thing to watch. Art School took it to the next level, there's no question. I mean, Ramey Shapiro brought the idea out, and Art School, I believe, just took it to the whole, to a whole other level, brought it to the masses. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's well, incredible. It's, it's, it's a that's unimaginable. What would you attribute the the growth of the of Dafyemi Shiurim specifically, like these Chabura Shiurim over the last two years? What do you think that's attributed to? Is it the technology? Is it the fact that someone mentioned me the other day that it was all due to Corona because people were were using Zoom more? What do you think it is? It's a combination. I mean, before COVID, the the beginning of Shas was it was crazy. We had we built a base marriage for eighty people. We had about a hundred and something people per sheer. Just it was people were standing. People were excited. People are excited about learning. Mm-hmm. They are, and if you give them the the right formula, and it's it's geschmack, it's it's understandable, and it's easily accessible. They just go on their phone as they're driving. They're watching the sheer. They put it down sure. on the dashboard. I don't know how much they're watching. It's, it depends if you're a New York driver or not, but they're watching. They're listening. Today you have. It's on everything, you, you know, you have um, the podcast and, the, and YouTube, and if you don't hold of YouTube, you have Torah anytime, and then call Sean and uh, websites and apps, everybody has apps today, it's, it's unbelievable. When I log on to your share, I'm always amazed, 12.15 in the morning hour time, when the time discrepancy is seven hours, and I scroll through on Zoom, and I see the number of people from different time zones. So in Eretz Yisrael, it's 7.15 in the morning. But you have people, 12.15 at night, it's a kvias that they're logging on. They want to watch it live because right. it's a special experience. Right. It's, it's very interesting to see. We have almost 100 people logging in 12.15 New York time from New York. Right. It's, it's unbelievable that yeah, they'll incredible. stay up 12.15 a.m. Till about one, till about one, one, one o'clock or one so. One o'clock or so. Yeah. If you had to make a 60-second elevator pitch for your share, people are watching... You want them to join your share. What would it be? What, what's the overall Without factor? thinking, you don't give me any... I'll give you a little time. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm sure, this, I'm sure this is something that you think about because you've... I've done it a few times. It's always different. It depends on the person. But the idea is, first of all, the daf and Torah benefits you. You, by learning the daf, become a better person. So that's number one. Become a better person, a better husband, 
a better father, a better business person, and you feel good about yourself. That's the main thing. You feel good about yourself, and you're doing Ratzon Hashem. It's the best way to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And there's really, I think, I believe every single person I bump into really wants to learn. At the end of the day, they want to learn Torah. They just feel they're not, you know, first of all, a lot of yeshiva guys, you learn the yeshivas and all the lumdas and we're pounding lumdas for so many years. And, and some people are like, well, I'm going to learn Dafiyaymi, it's Zion, it's Dafiyaymi, it's for Balabatim, but for the, for the Amaratim. By the way, I, I, I think that that may have been the prevailing notion at one point, it's not that way anymore. Um, uh, but nevertheless, you have the real, the real yeshiva guys, the real, they're still looking for that lumdas, for the, for the raid, for the this, for the that. And, uh, I need a chavrusa, I need a this. I'm going to learn the afyaymi. With, with the guy with charts and charts. Come on. But at the end of the day, Tyra is here and everybody wants to learn Tyra. And it's, and it's, it's fun. It's, 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 it's geschmack. It's a, it's a family. I mean, I don't know about the other shirim, but our shir is, is literally a family. People are there for each other. They look out for each other. They know each other on a first-name basis. Uh, people go to different cities, countries. They, they pick each other up from the airport. They, they get together. They, they go out together. It's, 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 it's a mishpacha. It's really mishpacha. I know when you've been going now in your time in America, you've been going city to city and giving shiurim in Chicago and the five towns. And I know you've received a tremendous uh, reception right. from so many of the people who listen to your shir. What, yeah. What's that been like? It's incredible. I went to, uh, they asked me if I could come to Miami. And I said, okay, fine, when? Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. So they put up a WhatsApp, I'm going to be in Miami. Couldn't believe it. 80 people showed up. 80 wow. people from Miami, you know. All walks of life and this and that. Ellie, Ellie, you know. People asked me to sign their hearts, girl, Gamaras. I had oh, autograph, yeah. autograph the Gamaras. Yeah. It was funny. Um, uh, five towns, again, without a lot of notice, one o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, over 100 people showed up. So, yeah, it's, people are into it. They, they, they feel that's changing their lives for the better. And, you know, so you're saying besides for the learning part of it that uplifts them, but they feel like they're connecting and they belong to something. Yeah. That's an important 100%. part of it. 100%. It's, it's, they, they feel they belong. They, the camaraderie, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable camaraderie. Going back to your share for a second, when you prepare, yeah. how do you decide what you include in your share? There's Gemara Rashi, there's Taisis, there's I see you're selective about what you, sometimes you'll throw in a tidbit. How do you decide what you want to include? Do you have a, a mahalach as far as it's going It's a style. It? It's, uh, I, I, if something is boring, so to speak, even if it's important, I probably won't even say it. Mm -hmm. You know, this, yes or no. If there's something exciting, something that will, like, people say, what? That's what I like to say. You know, something shocking, something interesting, Something that's Nagel and Mice, or something that you can bring home to the family, to, 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 to we're learning Psachim, Pesach, to say their night. You know, you have to do a Seva only like this, not like that. People just, you know, go like this. But a certain way, your head has to be propped. You know, certain things that you bring to Sukkah, to whatever it is, Yantif. So, any, any kind of Chiddush like that, I'm, I'm very big into. And anytime I could stick in a Shtikal Musr, a little, not Musr like that, but Hashkafa. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, something they could take home and uh, be a better person. Is there a particular Magad Shir who you've heard or seen who you say, wow, you know, 
there's an aspect of his delivery or his content that I'm going to try to incorporate or, or someone who you model yourself after? I don't model myself after because I'm very unique and different and weird. <laughs> but I, I did listen to Srili Bornstein Shurim. I did, I do, you know, I don't listen to as much as I would like to. I don't have the time. But if I had the time, I would listen to him. It's a very different style. But he has some very good uh, raid there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's one. Who else? Doesn't come to mind really, anybody, mm-hmm. but... There, there, there are a lot of talented people out there. A lot of very good magicians. Do you feel intimidated that you're the magicians? You're sitting in a room. You mentioned many Tamid chachamim around the table, and here you are, kind of under the spotlight. You ever feel like you ever feel intimidated? When my chavrusa comes to my shir, I'm very intimidated. Okay. I don't get out. If my father came, but yeah, I mean, it's you get used to it after a while. But I have what to be intimidated by. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I make mistakes all the time. You I was going to ask you, you ever got stuck mistakes. in the middle of a Gemara? Um, you don't have chat or someone asks you a kasha and uh, kind of stumps you? Um, I just had in Chicago, one of the first times, it's unbelievable. unbelievable, um, an 11-year-old kid asked me a question. I didn't have an answer. Wow. Worse than that. But it, no, I, I take it in stride. You know, I said, Givaldic, unbelievable. Look at these Chicagoans, a tremendous... This kid, Avi, asked me a kasha, and then they told me, oh, Darchan Lanier asks a, a good kasha. But it happens. It, worse than that is when you literally say the wrong pshan in the Gemara. You make a, a mistake of a two-year-old. It happens. One day I was, I was saying a shir. This is going way back, like three years ago. And in the middle of the shir, I said something like, uh, like a chicken was pregnant or something. Like, mom, or something completely didn't make any sense. You know, like, it happens. Things happen, you know. You, you let it roll. You got to let it roll. You laugh. You make fun of yourself. That's part of the thing. I, I mean, you know, I'm big into making fun of myself during Shir. So speaking of a little milsa, the bedichasa that you have, yeah. at the beginning of your Shir, you started at some point reading emails. You make, you make a, a light comment, a joke. What, what, what possessed you to do that? Because that also became part of your signature right. uh, Style and I should mention I sent you an email a few weeks ago. Before I know it, I'm getting messages from people. You know, Rebelli. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. I saw it live when you read my email on here, yeah. or our friend Rebari Morrison, right here at Art School. You pulled up his picture, and everyone here had a good time with that. But you do right. a lot of these creative types of things, totally out of the box. Right. But obviously, it's part of what makes that kind of that camaraderie, that feeling of a family. Exactly. Not so formal. Well, it started, you know, in the beginning of Bracha, somebody sent an email. So I took the email, I said, you know, it would be very interesting if every shear I could read one of these. But nobody's sending emails. So I read it, and I kind of alluded to the fact that there are more, and that, you know, send them more. And Baruch Hashem, it took off. You know, there's a day or two that we didn't have. But from that point on, today we're getting 30, 40 emails a day. Wow. And just yesterday, two days ago, I read three incredible emails. One of them literally made me cry. I had tears coming out of my eyes. Just crazy stories. A guy was, is in the ICU and he's isolated from his family. He almost died and he's, he's just with the Gemara. The Gemara is keeping him alive. And, and a guy that's not religious that, with the Art Scroll Gemara. A guy that's not religious. I just read this uh, two days ago maybe. He got an Art Scroll Gemara and he's, he's a funny guy. He's, he's in Los Angeles and uh, it's bringing him back to Yiddishkeit, and he says that every night he would take 
some sort of thing that's legal in Los Angeles to cut the, the edge off, but now he doesn't have to take anything. He just learns from the art scroll. Wow. I'm serious. You know, the word of the emails, first of all, to loosen everybody up, it loosens me up. Start off with, some, with a milsa de bichusa, and uh, some, sometimes it's inspiring, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it makes fun of me. It's just, it's good stuff. Yeah, you, but you also... Of, you don't mind being self-deprecating. No, not at all. <laughs> it's all part of it. It's gishmak. Um, but it, it, we get to know the different people. There's a Mendel Mitz from Buenos Aires that writes in. There's a guy from, from uh, you know, the Los Angeles, Harry Shalom, and, and then the Chassid from Williamsburg. And it's just, it, it, and people start recognizing these names. Mm -hmm. So it, it brings the Mishpacha together. It, you know, it's... What's the hardest Gemara that you've ever learned? What's the most challenging Gemara that you've encountered? I don't know. But I do know, I, I can't recall offhand, I do know that on at least two occasions, right before I went to sleep, I said, you know, I don't know this Gemara well enough to give a shir. And I stayed up the whole night. Just the whole night, just seeing if I could get it a little easier, a little bit better. And uh, it was very satisfying. After this year, somebody said, wow, you said it was a hard Gemara. It was so easy. I was like, okay. If you would have only known what, what it took. Right. Do you ever get nervous before you give the shear? Every shear before I go, there's a little bit of, uh, not anxiety, of, of, you know. Apprehensive? Yeah, maybe. Like, I hope this goes well today. And, you know, there's only 5,000 people watching. And i got to make sure it's good. You know? It's one thing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, so it needs to be. Right. I was going to say, it's one thing if you're recording it privately. You could edit it, you could redo it. There's no editing. But, well, uh, there is a little bit of editing afterwards. But uh, not, we don't take out words. and that's sort of, they, The editor puts in pictures and stuff like that. So you, you have other people do that or you do that yourself? We have an incredible team. No, I don't do the editing. We have a guy, Yosef Biliak, who sits there and does editing. And he does the editing on the eight-minute video. It's like there's a bunch of... I have a guy, Gary Ben Moshe. He sits there. Every single day. He doesn't get paid. He, he has another full-time job. Every day, at least two hours, he puts into the shear just the tech stuff. He sits in a booth above the shear, manning the cameras and the this, and the YouTube and the Zoom and, and feeding it in. You know how it works these things. Sure. There's the whole six screens and different things. It's a, one guy after another. You ever have a day where you wake up and you're just not motivated? You don't have that motivation. You're not interested. It's just it's not going? And Dafyemi, you don't have a choice to take a day off. Um, Baruch Hashem, I didn't have a day that I'm not motivated, but there are days that are very, very difficult. My son got married. I had to do the daf before the chasana, after the chasana, during the shavu brachas, on vacation. There's, you can't just say, okay, I'm relaxed. There's no relaxation. You have to get the same, try to get the same quality share out every single day, 365 days a year. Any final message to our viewers? Encourage them to join the Eight Minute Daf to learn more chizik for people who are going through uh, tough times that even so they're able to uh, spend a quality amount Literally of time Literally just learning. yesterday, just yesterday I read an email, a guy was suicidal. Suicidal, depression, got, got divorced from guy, got divorced, decided to leave Yiddishkeit he became suicidal, and then he found the daf, and he, Meister Shoya, this is what he writes. He writes that the daf saved his life. He's no longer suicidal. He doesn't have these thoughts. He's, he, he feels like a new person. He doesn't know how long it lasts, but he's been doing this for a month. And he, the daf 
will change a person's life. And all you need to do is try it out once. Try it out once, Ellie Stefanski on Torah Anytime, Ellie Stefanski on YouTube, whatever. Try it out once. Well, thank you, Rebelli, for coming in. Thank you for giving Absolutely. us some of your time. Just my humble bracha. You should continue to inspire people by what you do, how you do it, with the gishmak that you bring every day, and uh, continue to have in your habatzah. Thank you very much.